Hello. Thank you for listening to the sermon from our Revive service. We hope it helps you learn more about God and allows you to grow closer to Him and in your faith. Good morning, children. You are dismissed for Children's Church, those who are first grade and below. We hope you have a great time. Be kind to your teachers. Well, good morning. Good to see you all here. I know there's a lot of sickness, a lot of coughing, sneezing, all kinds of fun stuff that's going on. I said this last week, if you have a coughing fit, that's okay. Just don't be paranoid that everybody's staring at you. Uh, I'll just stare at you and nobody else will. It's okay. Um, I'm thankful that you're here today and I'm thankful that we can gather and sing to our great God. And uh, it's just neat. For me, it's an encouragement as I sit up front and hear you sing and uh, to be able to hear that. And uh, it just, as we sang, holy, 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 just reminds me and makes me dream of what heaven's going to be like as we gather and uh, how awesome that's going to be. A couple things that I want to bring your attention. Uh, First is a need. One of our missionaries are coming home for furlough, uh, coming up here soon. The Janes, Todd and Jen Jane. Um, are in Thailand and they will be coming home um, just to visit churches and to catch up. Um, They are in Washington. They're stationed out of Washington. Their home church is in Washington State. And then they'll fly over to Ohio and then they'll have some churches that they're going to visit in Ohio. Um, They're in need of a van um, for the month of March and most of April. Uh, March 1st, they'll fly into uh, Akron here. And then uh, for March and all of April, um, they need a vehicle that they can borrow. Um, And so if that's something that you uh, are able, um, you have something that that may be a help or you have a contact, um, would you let me know this morning? Um, We're trying to help them and arrange with them um, some some help there for travel so they can uh, motor around with their their kids and with their family um, when they come in the month of March and April. I want to also uh, just take a review real quick over the last few weeks, and I want to encourage you um, a couple things. There's a couple resources that's at your fingertips. First, if you aren't able to make it on a Sunday morning, you can always uh, log in. You go to our website, and you can stream in and uh, and be uh, sitting on your couch um, with your Kleenexes and your uh, Pure L, all right? Um, but I would encourage you that you don't do that on a regular habit. That's not why we have that, so that everybody can be at home. Um, that's just a tool to help those who aren't able to be here. And so if you're not able to be here, that's a tool that you can utilize and still allow you to log in and be a part of, of the family here. Um, so that way you're encouraged and you're fed. Uh, so that's at your fingertip. If you miss a Sunday, um, our sermons are, are posted online. And so you can go to our website and, and log in there. Or you can go to YouTube and you look under West Hill. I think it's West Hill Media. Um, and so you can look around for that. And uh, sermons are on there. Um, if All right. My dad, this was something my dad, and he still does. When we would leave the house as kids, he would always turn the radio on. So if somebody broke in, two things. Number one, they would make it sound like somebody was there. Number two, he would always turn it to WCRF. So if somebody broke in, at least maybe they'd hear about Jesus. (laughs) Maybe you want to have my sermons in the background when you leave. Um, 
just a joke. So those tools are there. Utilize them, please. And I know many of you do, and it's an encouragement um, to hear from you. Um, thinking back this month as we go through stewardship, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's something that I have become more comfortable talking about. I think mainly just because I want you to know my heart and, and I want you to know my passion. I'm not here trying to be money hungry. I don't think we're here as a church um, to gold plate everything and to try to get all the wealth that we can. If you think that's who we are, please let me know. I'd love to have a discussion with you. I'd love to hear your concern. And, uh, and so um, I've had a few of those over the years. And uh, one gentleman, he's now in heaven. Um, and at least I hope he's in heaven. Um, he said, I don't think you should be paid pastor. And so he went through and showed me some scriptures and, and that was great. That was his, uh, that was his belief. And I showed him a few of my scriptures that I come to, um, double portion. There's a passage there. Um, but, uh, that, that we all come from different backgrounds and views, especially when it comes to money and when it comes to stewardship. And so really, as I've tried to lay the groundwork for stewardship this month, I have focused more on money. Stewardship isn't just money or finances. It's so much more than that. All right. I've, I've talked about it because I haven't talked about it much over the years. And so I want you to know um, stewardship is not just your money. It's your time. It's your talents. And it's your treasure. It can kind of be summed up in, in those three uh, ways. It's your time, your talents, and your treasure. That's what God has given you, and how are you going to use those? Um, so we talked about um, starting well and finishing well. We looked at King Asa that first week in Second Chronicles 14 through 16, and we looked at that, that phrase, levav shalom, uh, which means wholeheartedly devoted to God. Again, if our heart isn't in tune with God, we can give as much as we want. We can use all our talents. We but it's, it's not pleasing to the Lord. And I think of, of those who were the religious leaders of Jesus' time. And as he shared, he said, even though your lips say one thing, your heart is far from me. God desires our heart. He doesn't need your stuff. He wants your heart. And so are we wholeheartedly devoted to him? Week two, we looked at faith, hope, and love and what it means to be a follower of Jesus as his disciple. And we we threw out this phrase, disciples making disciples. And you're going to hear that phrase over and over and over again this year because that's really the thrust of why I believe God has us here as a church. We are disciples of Jesus making disciples of Jesus. And so we looked at that and a couple passages there uh, in week two. Um, week three last week, um, giving. Uh, we, we talked about how giving proves our love is genuine. It benefits both the receiver and the giver. And we talked about giving to the Lord first because of his grace. And we looked at a passage in 2 Corinthians 8, 1 through 15, where Paul talked about the, the church in Corinth. He wanted to, them to excel just like the, the believers in Macedonia, to excel in their acts of grace. And so um, today we're going to talk about generosity. And so uh, we're going to dig in and we're going to look at a few things. It is interesting, as I read uh, a little bit, did you... You, again, this is not judgmental. I'm not casting stones. I'm not trying to, to be um, a discouragement. It's just interesting. Studies have shown that between 25 to 50% of church attenders give nothing or next to nothing. Hmm, pretty interesting. 
I thought that was very interesting. And again, um, as we think about stewardship, um, stewardship really, when you get down to it, poor stewardship, it's not a financial issue. Poor stewardship is a spiritual heart issue. And so, um, again, as we think about um, this aspect of generosity, um, I want to have 2020 vision. I don't know about you, but I want to have the best vision that I can see. And when it comes to stewardship and when it comes to giving, giving of my time, giving of my talents, giving of my treasure, uh, I, I want to do my best and I want to see what God has. And so this morning, we're going to look at, in the beginning here, we're going to look at a couple of lies that I think that we, we allow ourselves to sometimes believe. And they're nothing new. It's something that Satan has done in the very beginning. He is a liar. He is a deceiver. And he wants you to buy into those lies and uh, that are contrary to who God is and God's character. And so we'll start from the very beginning in the book of Genesis. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn there in Genesis 1. And we're going to look at uh, a few verses in chapter 1. And then we're going to jump to chapter 2 and, uh, and look and see uh, this aspect of, of generosity. And I, I have phrased this the title, Generosity, Living Like My Lord. And so who is your Lord? Who is the one that you follow? Who is the one that you, you say that you are his disciple? Um, and so can we be generous like Jesus, like our Lord? And so before we dig into the word, would you pray with me? And let's ask God to work in our hearts. Lord, thank you for this opportunity as you've given us this time and this place to gather. We thank you. We praise you for uh, your work in us and bringing us to this point today. I pray, Lord, that you would do a great work in our hearts. We need you uh, desperately. And Lord, what, is been, what has been shared and what's going to be shared uh, is really worthless unless you are here working and stirring us closer to you. And so, Lord, I ask that your spirit would use your word to pierce our hearts. And Lord, help us open up our eyes that we may see you and that we may be willing to humbly come to you and knowing that you love us and that you show your grace and your forgiveness to us and that your mercy is new every morning. Lord, thank you. Thank you for not only just telling us what to do, Lord, you demonstrate it. You demonstrated it through the cross of Jesus and you continue to demonstrate it every day as we live. Help us to see that. Help us to catch a glimpse of your great glory today. And Lord, may that motivate us and change us so that when we leave here, we may be different than when we walked in. We'll give you the glory for that. And it's in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're in Genesis 1. We start in the beginning. Uh, let's look at generosity. All right. Genesis 1, 26 through 29. It says, then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created them. And God blessed them. Now, I just want to pause there for a second. God creates everything, but something that I saw for the first time and I underlined in my Bible. Did you notice God blesses the man and the woman? I never realized that before. He creates everything else. And it's not that his blessing isn't there, but we see that the writer records for us that man 
and woman are blessed by God. Something to think about, especially as we move forward. Continuing verse 28, and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, behold, I have given you every every plant yielding seed that is on the face of the earth and every tree with the seed in its fruit, you shall have them for food. Now jump forward um, to chapter 2, verse 7, and uh, we're going to keep keep looking at seeing how God blessed them and God's instruction for them. So Genesis 2, verse 7, it says, Then the Lord formed the man of the dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living creature. What we, do, what we see here is the author is giving us a little bit more of a, uh, he zooms in. In chapter 1, we see, okay, God creates man and woman in, his own Im- in God's image. But now we get to see what was that like, all right? Verse 7 of chapter 2 says, okay, he took the dust of the ground and he breathed into him the breath of life. And the man became a living creature. Verse 8, and the Lord uh, God planted a garden in Eden in the east, and there he put the man whom he had formed. And out of the ground of the Lord God made to spring up every tree that is pleasant to the sight, good for food. The tree of life was in the midst of the garden, and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. A river flowed out of Eden to the water, uh, to water the garden, and there it divided and became four rivers. The name of the first is Pishon. Now, let me just pause. Let's just get the elephant this week out of the way. I'm going to mess these names up, and so you can correct them as you stand, sit there, and that's okay. I'm not a linguistic expert. Let's keep reading. Verse 11, it is the one that flowed around the whole land of Havilah, here, there, where there is gold, and the gold of that land is good. Um, Beldum and Oxenstone are there. The name of the second river is Gihon. Um, it is the one that flowed around the whole land of Cush, and the name of the third river is the Tigris. Got that one. Which flows east of Assyria, and the fourth river is Euphrates. All right. The Lord took uh, the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and to keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, You may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in that day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. Then the Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. Now out of the ground the Lord God had formed every beast of the field, every bird of the heavens, and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. Whatever the man called every living creature, that was its name. The man gave names to all the livestock and to the birds of the heavens and the beasts of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helper fit for him. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man. And while he slept, took one of his ribs and closed up its place with flesh. And the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into a woman and brought her to the man. And the man said, this at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called, whoa, man woman because she was taken out of man therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife and they shall become one flesh and the man and his wife were both naked and not ashamed now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field and the lord god had made he said to the woman 
Did God actually say to you, you shall not eat any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden. But God said, you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it lest you die. She added a few words there. God just said, don't eat it, not just touch it. Verse 4, but the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate and she also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate. Then the eyes of both were open and they knew that they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. When we look at this, it helps us to stop and to see, um, ultimately, yes, we see pride. And, and yet, for the first time, I really see um, an issue of my own heart and my own um, issues that I've had in the past. And they really stem from this idea, as we read in Genesis, and, and, and when we think of generosity, of being generous, sometimes... And maybe you don't, maybe you wouldn't outright say this, but maybe in your mind you have thought or in your heart, maybe God is holding back from me. Maybe God hasn't given me what I deserve or what I should have. We see here that Satan, this crafty serpent, uh, comes and he. He brings to light um, a falseness of who God is and how God works. We see that God didn't just leave Adam in, in the garden. When, when God created Adam, did God know at that point that he had not yet made him a helper that was suitable for him? Or did it take Adam to go through all those animals and then God realized, oh, you know what? There's not one suitable for Adam. No, of course God knew. God's all-knowing. So if God knew that, then why did why would he have Adam go through all of those animals, naming them for him to realize, oh, for him to realize the goodness of God, that God would give him someone who would help him, that God would be that generous, that caring, that kind. But yet we fall into the lie to believe that, you know what, I only have this much. Or I don't even have that much and God, I'm upset because you're holding back on me. I think it's a lie that Satan uses when we talk about finances and we talk about generosity and we can't listen to that lie. We need to see how rich we are and how God loves to give. God has loved to give from the very beginning. That's what we see in the book of Genesis. And we see it all throughout scripture. He loves to give to those who are his. So let's look at some truth examples. All right. And we'll briefly just look through this and, and uh, the verses will be up there, but you may turn there as well. Uh, the first is going to be found in first Kings, first Kings chapter 17. 1 Kings chapter 17, verses 7 through 16, we see a truth example of generosity. Um, and so in this, 
we see Elijah, and God is working through Elijah um, to minister to Elijah um, through the widow of Zephath. And so let's look at this, um, 1 Kings uh, 17, 7 through 16. It says, And after a while the brook dried up, and because there was no rain in the land, then the word of the Lord came to him, Arise, go to Zeraph, Zer, Zerophath, which belongs to Sidon, and dwell there. Behold, I have commanded a widow there to feed you. So he arose and went to Zerophath. And when he came to the gates of the city, behold, a widow was there gathering sticks. And he called to her and said, Bring me a little water in a vessel that I may drink. As she was going to bring it, he called to her and said, Bring me a morsel of bread in your hand. And she said, As the Lord your God lives, I have nothing baked, only a handful of flour in the jar and a little oil in a jug. And now I am gathering a couple sticks that I may go in and prepare it for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. And Elijah said to her, Do not fear. Go and do as you have said. But first make me a little cake of it and bring it to me. And afterward make something for yourself and your son. For the Lord says, For thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, The jar of flour shall not be spent. And the jug of oil shall not be emptied until the day that the Lord sends rain upon the earth. And so she went and did as Elijah said. She and he and her household ate for many days. The jar of flour was not spent. Neither did the jug of oil become empty according to the word of the Lord that he had spoken by Elijah. This woman could have turned her back and said, no, I'm not going to give it to you. This is, this is what we have left. But yet, here we see an example of generosity. Let's flip um, to the next book, 2 Kings chapter 4. And now we see Elisha. Okay, Elijah, and then you have Elisha. Elisha was Elijah's prodigy, followed him. And so we see Elisha now in 2 Kings chapter 4 and verses 8 through 10. One day, Elisha went out or went on to Shunem, uh, where there was a wealthy woman that lived, who urged him to eat some food. So whenever he passed that way, he would turn in there to eat food. So she said to her husband, Behold now, I know that this is a holy man of God who is continually passing our way. Let us make a small room on the roof with walls and put there for him a bed, a table, and a chair, and a lamp, so that whenever he comes to us, he can go in there. Here we see again generosity. She could have just kept feeding him, but this rich woman says, you know what? I'm going to talk to my husband, and we're going to, we're going to build a room for Elisha so that whenever he comes in, he has a place. He has a place to lay his head. He's got a place to read, study, pray, and we'll provide food for him. That's an example of generosity. Here's the statement for today. We can give and not be generous, but we cannot be generous and not give. I'll let you think through that. If you can't hear that, if you need it, I'll say it again, but it's also in the paragraph in your bulletin uh, that we put there for you to kind of prep you for each Sunday morning. 
We can give and not be generous, but we cannot be generous and not give. When we look at this, um, we see how God works throughout scripture. And I want to show you two examples that God uses when we think about being generous and how I have heard the phrase, and maybe you have too, you cannot outgive God. And so when I used to hear that, I used to think, man, that's pretty prideful um, of us to even approach that. But I understand it the more I get older and the more I read the scripture. And so this first passage is in Malachi in, in the Old Testament. A few verses, it'll be up on the screen for you if you're not sure where, where, um, where to turn. But Malachi 3, uh, verses 8 through 12. And it says this, will man rob God? Again, Malachi is a prophet talking to the nation of Israel. Israel has not been responding well to God. And so here's God's reply back to Israel. Will man rob God? Yet you are robbing me. But you say, how have we robbed you? And he says, in your tithes and your contributions, you are cursed with a curse for you are robbing me, the whole nation of you. Bring the full tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house and thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need, I will rebuke the devourer for you so that it will not destroy the fruits of your soil and your vine in the field shall not fail to bear, says the Lord of hosts. Then all nations will call you blessed for you will be a land of delight, says the Lord of hosts. When we see here, we see the character of God. We see that God even says to the nation of Israel, test me and see. Watch and see how generous I can be to you. If you, if you obey me, if you are generous. God is saying here from the very beginning, your tithe the 10%, the, 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 right off the top, you are robbing. God says, you are robbing me. And so why do you think that you don't see God's blessing in your life? I believe that there are times that we walk throughout life that God wants to bless us. But because we rob him, we are robbing him of that opportunity because we will not be obedient to him. Because we lack faith. Sometimes we lack trust. Sometimes we're, we may be ignorant, but I don't think usually it's out of ignorance. Usually it's out of pride. Usually it's out of worry, out of fear, out of concern. And so we see here, God says, put me to the test. I challenged our council last weekend. We looked at a passage about Joshua. Joshua following on the heels of who was one of the greatest leaders of all of Israel. Not until David came was there a greater leader. Here's Moses, and Moses is dying, and God says to Joshua over and over and over and over again, be strong and courageous, for I am with you. Stay in the word, he tells him. Stay close to me. Be strong and courageous. Well, here, here's the reality that hit me in that. It doesn't take courage if we don't take a risk. Why would you need courage if you're, if you're just simply living? When we follow and obey God, there are times that there is a risk. And when I go to give and I give generously, I may never see that come back. 
And if my expectation of giving is always to receive it back, then my heart isn't right. All right? When Jesus gave, we, we see over and over and over again the parables of giving. It wasn't giving out of a heart of wanting and expecting a return. But what we do see throughout scripture is that God is a God who does love to give. And while he may not give that in the same way, if I give $100, is he going to give me 1000 back? God doesn't work that way. But what he does do is he works in different ways to give us what we need. So you give $100 because he's laid it on your heart. He may give you a peace. He may give you comfort. He may work in other mysterious and awesome ways that show that he is real. Because you, all of a sudden you start to see God showing up in ways that you wouldn't have otherwise. And that's what God is saying in Malachi. He's saying, put me to the test and I will be the one who protects your land. I will allow your, your vines to produce. Ultimately, God's saying, I'm in charge of all things and you can trust me. We jump to the New Testament in first, or Second Corinthians and we looked at chapter 8 last week. And Paul continues in chapter 9, um, and as we're reading this, it helps us to see, and he uses, he throws in a simple illustration. For those of us who aren't farmers, uh, we, we might miss this, but let me tell you, it doesn't take a rocket scientist farmer to get this, okay? Meaning, you don't have to know a whole lot about farming to get what Paul is saying. And so, let's, let's read this here in 2 Corinthians 9, verses 6 uh, through 8. It says, the point is this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Everyone must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abundant to you. So that, having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. When we look at this, we see about the farmer planting seeds. And ultimately, he's giving this. If you just throw a few seeds out, that's what you're going to get back. It's not like they're all of a sudden going to like multiply and then um, just boom, there it happens. If you plant three tulip bulbs, ultimately, how many flowers, tulip bulbs, are you going to have flowers come up? Three. So he's saying if you... If you ultimately, if you plant, if you sow little, if you're little in your generosity, then you should expect little in return. You can't outgive God. So here's where the rubber meets the road. How can we be generous? Here's some takeaways for us today. How can you and I be generous? Number one, we, need, we, we can do this as we plan and organize our lives. You need to have a budget. Financially, you should have a budget. And let me just say, if you say that you have a budget, but it's not written down, you don't have a budget. Okay? I've lived it. I'm not here telling anybody anything that I have not already gone through or am going through. Lisa and I are not perfect by any means. That's why I've hesitated to talk about this because it's probably one of the most difficult things in our lives is our finances. We're not hurting for anything. Man, we got married, the two of us. We loved living together, the two of us. We had two incomes and no kids. It was fantastic. Mm. But that was bad because it didn't set us up. 
And so when we do premarital counseling now, we sit with couples and we help them and say, this is what we've learned. We made some major mistakes. We encourage you not to make those same mistakes. And so part of this is planning and organizing, budgeting, scheduling that you invest. And let me tell you, generosity is always an investment. All right. It's an investment that you may not see the return, but let me tell you, as we give and we give as God lays it on our heart and as we schedule and as you'll, I'm going to say here in a minute, as the spirit leads us, as we invest, God will give a return. What we sow, we will reap. And it may not be the way we vision it, the way we want it to be, but we can trust that God will bless that. Part of it is we have this earthly kingdom mindset. There is an eternal mindset. And you may say, oh, pastor, you're just trying to blow smoke. Listen, are you living for here and now? Because there is the true reality that heaven is real and it will be forever. So if all you're doing is storing up for here and now, you will miss out. Heaven will be a glorious place. It will be wonderful and you're going to... You're going to enjoy it. I'm not saying, but you will miss. There's going to be a, there's going to be some part and I don't understand it. There's going to be some part as God sets up our, our rule and our time in heaven. Those who have lived for him, they will have much. The Bible tells us that what all that looks like. I don't know. All I know is that we're gonna, I'm going to lay down my crown before the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. I hope I will have a crown. The Bible tells me. I don't know how many jewels are going to be in it. Red jewels, blue jewels, green jewels, sparkies. If you went through sparks, you know what I'm talking about. But seriously, there, there's jewels. And so I don't do it just to earn something in heaven. I do it for the Lord and knowing that I'm investing for his kingdom forever. So you need to plan and you need to organize and we want to help you do that. There are wonderful tools today um, that are available for you to help you walk through planning and organizing and, and, and working on your finances and giving and being generous in your giving. You should, you should, there should be an aspect of that that you plan for. The second part of this, that's the first plan and organize. The second is, as you walk with the Lord, as you're seeking the Lord, you give as the Spirit leads you. So generosity isn't just planning for it, but it's also as the Spirit leads us, we obey Him. And that may include spontaneity. Now, if all we do is live on spontaneity, then mm, we haven't counted the cost and I don't know that we're using the head that got put on our shoulders. We need to be responsible. But if all I do is live by the plan and I never listen to the spirit as he's guiding me and leading me, then I'm missing out on this other aspect of generosity. And so I think both are important. As you and I are abiding in Christ, we can have the confidence to place our trust and hope in him. And that my actions, as I'm trusting him and following him, are worthy. He is worthy to be trusted. He's not just going to leave me out to hang. And so um, we see needs. As you see needs, be generous. Uh, when you're on the spot, 
do good. Um, there's a verse here. It's up on the screen from Hebrews. Hebrews says, do not neglect to do good and to share what you have for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. As God leads you, give. As God moves in your heart and you have the opportunity to be generous to somebody, do that. I'm, I can give you illustrations of people who have been so generous to us. And I'm so thankful. And it's ministered to our heart in so many wonderful ways. It's helped us to see God and his generosity. You can be that. You get to, we get to be the hands and the feet in our generosity. But if we just hold it, we, we lose impact. But also, too, I've used this illustration. If you hold so tightly to what you have, God can't put anything more in there. But if we live life generously with an open hand, God can not only, he can distribute out, but he can put in as well. There's another passage in Matthew 10. It says, uh, freely you have received, freely you give. Um, when we sum it all up, there's this passage in Proverbs 11, verses 24 and 25. It's there on the screen. I love the New Living Translation. It helps me understand it and catch it a little bit better. Give freely and become more wealthy. Let me pause. I am not preaching to you a health and wealth gospel here today. That if all you do is just give God everything and trust Jesus, he'll make you millionaires. I don't read that in scripture. I don't think this is just giving and you all of a sudden get a whole bunch of treasure. I think the, listen to the rest of the proverb. Give freely and become more wealthy. Be stingy and lose everything. Ever know somebody who is so stingy? And it's like they don't have anything in their life. The generous will prosper. Do you want to prosper in your walk with Jesus? I hope you do. Let me ask that again and I'll wait for your response. The generous will prosper. Would you like to prosper in your walk with Jesus? Be generous. Those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. The greatest act of gratitude or, or of generosity that we can be grateful for is the generosity of Jesus. That Jesus would give his life so that we could have life. The generosity that Jesus would give to us knowing who we were and the place where we were. We were enchained. We sang about that. We were enchained and we were stuck in our sin separated from God without hope or without life. And yet Jesus came and he gave his life. He died on the cross. He was buried and he rose again three days later, conquering sin and death, generously offering to you and to I an eternal relationship with Jesus, with him, with our Lord, with our maker. And when we trust him and ask him to forgive us of our sin and come into our life and to be our God, the Bible tells us that not only can we live life, but we can live an abundant life. That's what God offers to us. So how can you be generous? I'll say our phrase one more time. You can give and not be generous, but you cannot be generous and not give.
God calls us to be generous. We get to reflect his heart. When Vince comes and plays in just a moment, he's going to play for the offertory, How Great Thou Art. We know that. We believe. I think ultimately we would say, God, you are great. How great you are. We're so thankful that you show us mercy. You show us grace. You show us forgiveness. But how we live that out in tangible, real ways matters. It matters. May our generosity show that we believe that God is great, that he's not holding back from us, that he wants our best, and he desires to show us and to lead us and to guide us. Will you pray with me? Lord, thanks for the opportunity that you've given us, again, to gather here in this place. May you, may you help us to be good stewards, especially when it comes to our finances, Lord, when it comes to the financial aspects of our life. Lord, may we be generous. May we do the things that we need to do in order to organize and to plan, to structure what we have coming in versus what's going out. Lord, may you be the first fruits of what goes out. May we be generous first and foremost to you because ultimately of what you've done for us and how we, how we are lives to you. Trusting that you will provide and that you will guide and that you will watch over us. Lord, help us to, in, in that same way in Malachi that we read, may we, may we test you in a way. And may we see how awesome and great you are. So many of us sit here today and we recognize and we realize how generous you have been to us. And for that, Lord, we praise you. We thank you. Help us to be stewards, to be people, to be a church. May West Hill be a people who are generous stewards. Show us what that looks like as we abide in you. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.